Welcome to Hello Hill Talk. I'm Haley Minnick. Today, I would like to welcome SMU professor and veteran journalist Pam Harris Hackett. Pam is the broadcast executive at residence here at SMU. She is here today to discuss her experiences in the television industry. Welcome, Pam. Thank you, Haley. It's nice to be here. It's glad to have you on. So my first question is, what got you interested in broadcast journalism? Well, to be honest with you, when I was a junior in college, my advertising professor said, uh, you should go into broadcast journalism because I could tell the story behind what ads I was creating better in person than I could on paper. So I changed my major that day and never looked back. And I, even just thinking about growing up, I always loved to tell stories. And actually my, when I was about eight or nine years old, my brother made me a little um, homemade microphone and I would go around and interview my whole family. And it was a a toilet paper roll, um, a ball of foil on top of it with a string hanging down. And so I guess it was pretty much instilled in me early on that I was going to be a storyteller. <laughs> that is so cute. Okay, <laughs> so I see that you are doing a couple of things with Inside Edition and as well as with the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. So I was wondering, how was it being able to, you know, do a lot of co-producing for those? It was really exciting. Um, you know, entertainment news, with Inside Edition, uh, we did a lot of national stories that were became local to Texas, or, you know, I even went up to, I went to Arkansas when Paris Hilton had this special, and so I went and interviewed the family that she was living with, with her and Nicole Ritchie. It was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, it just, just different perspectives of stories. There was one story that I did with Inside Edition that was so cool. There was a girl who wanted to go to Wrigley University, so she made her entire prom dress for high school out of Wrigley gum paper. And so her whole dress was Wrigley, <laughs> Wrigley gum wrappers and her date had a vest made. Out. Anyway, I went to high school prom when I was, you know, in my thirties, it was pretty funny. Just, yeah, just a lot of fun. And then with the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders, I did that for several years and just, it's really fun to see the behind the scenes type situation. And, you know, you're focusing in on, anything from somebody who's really talented to someone who's not. And because you're, it's a real, you know, it's a real show with real people in it. So just the behind the scenes was a lot of fun and seeing how they put it all together. And yes, I helped co-produce that, but it, it just, it, the making of a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader, which they're so iconic and it just, it, there's so much detail that goes into it and so much hard work for every single lady who tried out, you know, and, and you went from, 400 to 500 applicants down to 20 girls, you know, so um, just seeing the whole process, it was a, a very rigorous three weeks of, well, I don't even know, it was th I don't even think it was three weeks, but yeah, it just, there's a whole lot that goes into it and just seeing, you know, the behind the scenes, what goes on and even just the dialogue between, you know, people who are in charge, you know, of the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders and the way they talk with, you know, communicate with the applicants and everybody just so wants to make it. And what's sad is not everybody can make it. But um, so you see the euphoric and you see the sadness too. So, but it's, it was very interesting and I was really glad I was part of it. That's awesome. So I know you're very versatile with what you report on. So I was kind of wondering, what are some of the most memorable stories that you've covered throughout your time as a reporter? I, I just, I love telling stories, but you know, some of them are, you know, like an F5 tornado. I covered uh, the tornado that hit Gerald, Texas, just north of Austin. And I don't look at storms the same anymore because they were finding body parts. Um, it was sad. Horses flying and landing in a pool. You know, it just was so, 
scary to see how much force mother nature can have on a little town when 20 plus people were killed in that you know and so you're seeing a little town just almost demolished but then you have wonderful stories like you know donor family meets the recipient family so you see there was a loss in one family but another family got life because of their loss and you see those families come together and it's just really beautiful it's sad but it's beautiful 9-11, of course, I was at the American Airlines headquarters all day and uh, there for several days uh, reporting from there. And it was just so eerie because, you know, you just take it for granted that you hear planes flying in the air and then there's nothing. It's just silence for days and just eerie. And then there's another one that I talk about when I talk about how you report with people who are grieving. Um, A six-year-old little girl, you know, fell on a piece of rebar and went through almost all the way through her head. And, you know, we of course didn't want to be there their family is is grieving the little girl was in a coma for a week and you know my bosses were like nope we need the story we've got to get it you need to talk to the father you need to get what you you know and all of this and we had the exclusive but getting it just that just seeing the pain that the parents were going through they didn't know if the little girl was going to survive she ended up surviving and we pretty much owned that story and i mean it in a really good way because I think it was the way we approached the family at first that got us in the door when she was starting to rehab. They allowed us to come into the hospital and, you know, watch her rehab, which was wonderful. Her getting her motor skills back and understanding because she had severe damage in her head. And, uh, and then when we were there, when she got to go home from the hospital, which was like, I think nine weeks later, she finally got to go back home. And her, her little schoolmates were outside the school yelling and having big signs welcoming her home. And, you know, and I, I felt like part of the family because we were right there to videotape everything, you know. And then you have the cute stories, always puppies, puppies, you know, when the puppies are stuck in a storm drain and there's a storm headed toward us and the firefighters are trying to get 12 little puppies out of a storm drain um, and they get them all you know, they rescued them all. And then to come back and do a follow-up story on that with all of the dogs getting adopted was really cute too. So it just runs the gamut. And what's so great is, is as a journalist, and I tell people that the best part about being a journalist is every day is different. Every single day is different. And I don't, when I was still on the air, I didn't know what I was going to be doing that day. You know, I would tell you at five. <laughs> so it just was, um, I love it because I don't want to, I'm not a nine to five person sitting behind a desk. I've got to be on the move and doing something. And that's what journalism allowed me to do. That is crazy and amazing. I'm just in shock with all the stories that you have been covering and especially with you talking about them in classes that we've had together. It's just crazy to see, you know, what you cover and go through too. So kind of shifting gears a little bit, what's like the craziest stories that you've reported on? This is gross. Um, (laughs) Just I'll preface it that way before I say it. So uh, a guy is walking down a street with a plastic bag and police walk over to him and they're like, what's in the bag? It was a human foot. Oh, this was, it's very disturbing. He unearthed a body and cut the foot off and put it in a bag and was walking down the road with it. That is, uh-huh. oh God, that is crazy. <laughs> yeah, you see all kinds of things, you know, and you see really very tragic, obviously that was very disturbing and a tragic story and the the man needed help. But, um, you know, and you see, you know, car accidents and another one that was so just a freak accident was off of I-30 between Dallas and Fort Worth. And a guy was driving down the road and 
was following behind a truck and a metal pole flew out of the back of the truck and went into the driver's windshield and impaled the drivers in the in his forehead and so and he I mean, died instantly and you know that was a freak accident just really out there wild and you know when we get to the scene they've got the car covered but you can see the the metal pole sticking out through the front windshield and there's a person inside and he was stuck in the car because the metal thing came right through his head and impaled his head and he was still in the car it was so weird those are way out there, you know, probably out of this world. I can't even imagine <laughs> covering that. You know, then then you have a really sad story. It happened in, in Richardson where two wrestlers, you know, they're in high school and they were wrestling over a girl and, and one guy gouged the other guy's eyes out. And I had to sit through the trial, what well, we all did, you know, covering the story. And here you've got two young kids and they're, you know, 16, 17 years old and both of their lives are are you know ruined one is going to you know jail for gouging the guy's eyes out and the other guy is blind for life over a girl and you go home and you have to digest it all like what did i do today i covered this trial and and i came home and i cried because it's just so emotional seeing you know someone so young two boys so young and their their lives have been changed forever you know, so sometimes it's very difficult to come home and just kind of soak in exactly what you did that day. <laughs> yeah, so. no, that is crazy. And that kind of also brings me to my next question is, you know, what are the best ways to, you know, cover these sad and grieving stories as a reporter? Well, and I've talked um, in the ethics class that Tony Peterson teaches about how to, you know, approach someone who's grieving, how to approach someone who's been saddened by some awful situation and you know you first of all step back and think okay is this time for me to talk to these people i mean is it more important to get the story and get the people talking right away or is it more important to have an ethical thought about it and some empathy and, and showing some you know pull back some you know sometimes it's not even worth doing the story right then and there because they're just too too distraught but i always tell students that the best thing to do is put yourself in their position and that can kind of get you that that somber feel like wow what if this was my brother or what if this was my family member and and approach it that way and then you also don't want to focus on the death of the person or the tragedy focus on the positiveness that you know the family's coming together and being strong because of their faith or their you know even focus on the person's life you know say it was a soldier focus on how wonderful they were when they were alive. So, and a lot of times grieving people will want to talk about their loved one like they were still alive. So it kind of breaks that ice a little bit to, you know, first of all, just take a deep breath and um, put yourself in their shoes. And then, uh, you know, apologize. I've apologized profusely to people going, I'm so sorry I'm here. Just try to, you know, get the story and, and kind of know your, your loved one a little bit better so I can tell their story. So just approach it with ease. And like I said, sometimes it's better not to even bring a camera up toward them first, you know, wait until later or give them a card. Hey, here's how you can get a hold of me if you're ready to talk, you know, when you're ready to talk. And chances are you're going to get that interview over somebody else who's going to slam a camera in somebody's face. And kind of a follow-up question on this is, you know, you as a reporter, how are you able to 
stay composed, you know, when covering sad and grieving stories? Yeah, that's a good question, Haley. You're human. So it, it could affect you. Like that trial, I came home and I cried. I cover a traffic accident and I see a dead body. I'm going to come home and I'm going to cry. <laughs> you know, um, we have emotions too. And, um, you know, we see a lot of things that you don't see on the air, you know, because you don't put a bloody stain on the air. You don't put a dead body on the air. After the first responders are there, we're seeing this stuff. And, um, you know, I saw a man beheaded. I've seen a man hanged. I've seen, um, you know, a, a burned up car with the body in it. It's just, you know, and, and I, I still see those vividly. And I, you know, I, I pray about it, you know, so I do, I, you know, for those who are believers, I, I give it to the man upstairs, you know, and, and it, he helps me through it. So, um, you know, and even like with little Alexa Eason, who was the little six-year-old, I would still stay in touch with that family. I sent him a Christmas card. I um, sent him a thank you card after they, inter you know, let me interview them. And it was from me personally. It wasn't from the station, no stationery from the, you know, from the station I was working at, CBS 11, but it was, you know, I out of my own and I, I maybe it was selfish but it, it allowed me to just kind of purge a little bit and saying you know thank you for letting me in to your lives when it was so tragic for there for a while and touch and go so um you know everybody handles it differently it's okay to be emotional you know but also remember you it's your job so you've got to stay focused um there are times i've you know i guess right now no i can't do that in covid but you know where you give someone a hug or you know shake their hand and you know pat it for a second just to say you know i'm i'm here for you you know so don't let it bottle up because if you if you keep it in sometime it's going to come and it's going to mess you up so if you've got to go talk to somebody go talk to that's why there's therapists out there there's you know people out there who you can talk with and every tv station has that you just go to hr and say i'm having some difficulty we had um an employee when i was working in waco after the lubies massacre and that was where a man went into lubies and shot mainly women and he was the first on the scene and he was like i you know I, I can't deal with this. this. And so, you know, it's, it's okay to admit that you can't deal with it. Talk about it with someone and get through it. And, and there's people there who can help you. Yeah, that's honestly really, really good advice for future reporters too. And also I know, and then again, kind of just shifting another gear here is some advice you might be able to give is, you know, how are you able to manage, you know, a lot of the stress of having tight deadlines. And then on top of that, you're having crazy hours that you have to work. Yeah, because reporters on call all the time. When I was um, on the air, I would have a, a suitcase in the back of my car with three days of clothes worth in there because I never knew if I'd go into work. And just like the tornado thing, I left from work and I went to Gerald, Texas, and I was there for three days and then, you know, and came back. So, you know, that's part of the job, you know. And so news doesn't take a break. It doesn't take a holiday. It's always going and it's going even more now because of all of the social media that's out there. And, you know, yeah, it, it can be juggle, you know, you might, you're a good juggler, but, um, but you also, you know, know that, okay, I've got a deadline and I need to meet this. So I've got to have, you know, you hit the ground, you do literally hit the ground running when you're, uh, I would go in at nine, we'd have our, our nine o'clock morning meeting and then you're, you and your photographer are on the road and you're out. And then you could be, you know, we would do it. We had a four or five and a six, um, call it newscast, but if it was breaking news, we would break into programming. Of course, they want to get as much video to feed to the web so we can get that up quickly, even before I go live on, you know, at four. There'd be times that I would give up information that no one else had 
to get it on the web, before, you know, and then other people would get my information. I'm like, great, I used to have an exclusive and now everybody's gonna have it by four. But it's just the whole, you've got to just balance um, and balance everything, balance your home life with your work life. Um, you know, a lot of times, yeah, I would bring work home because of just the thought of what I did that day. But um, you just really have to balance it out and know, um, you know, I, I, I need at least an hour for us to edit this whole video. And I need at least, you know, 45 minutes to an hour to, to write the story. So if my story goes at four, I better start working to get everything finalized by two or two thirty, or I'm in trouble. So it's just time management, I would say. My very last question for you is what's, you know, one piece of advice that you would give to an expiring broadcast reporter or even just journalist in general? It may not be one piece of advice. It all kind of goes together, but first of all, don't focus on being first, focus on being accurate. You may not get the exclusive and I got it out there first, but you want to be accurate, you know? So, um, and don't let someone tell you, you, you aren't good enough because you're as good as you want to be. I mean, look at Oprah, Oprah, someone, a news director told Oprah she would never be anything, you know, and look what she did. She's amazing. And so just don't, don't let people bring you down, rise above it and be accurate because you cannot take inaccuracy away from the person. You know, if I, you know, if I report something that's not accurate, there goes my credibility out the window. So instead of being first, be accurate. And don't, don't let people think that you're not as good as you are, because you are. Well, that is really, really good advice, Pam. I, again, thank you again for being here. And thank you to everyone for listening today. And be sure to subscribe to our feed for more interesting stories and people that are a part of the amazing montage of people that make up SMU. Hello, Hilltop. Thank you, Haley.